97.3 The Fan. This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now... Here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. And as said, I have been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for 27 years, probably over 27 years now. Now, if you have an uh, investment question or want a fundamental analysis on a stock you own or looking at buying, maybe you think about selling it. Like, I'm not sure if this is a good price to sell or not. Or maybe you just want to hold on to it. You're not sure if that's a good idea. Please call in at 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And as always on the Smart Investing Show, that'll get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Well, good morning, Chase. How you doing? Good. It's good to be back. We, we yeah, good. Yeah, you weren't here last week and uh, did the whole, whole show myself. And uh, always good to get uh, your perspective on things and have a conversation about things. And we got some great things to talk about before we start taking the calls. Again, that phone number eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. But Chase, let's talk about existing home sales. They came out, uh, I believe, it was yesterday, and they look kind of scary. But there's some uh, some important things you can kind of. Uh, derive from these numbers. Uh, first off, talk about the numbers. Sales were down 17.2% year over year. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. But condo sales were down 26% versus single family homes down about 17%. Now, what appears to be happening after this, this shutdown is people may be concerned about living in compact areas, just want to get out, have a place that they can span, go to suburbs. And what I was thinking on this as well, this is also going to help if this trend does continue, which we think it will increasing car buying because you want a car to be in your out your, your to, to drive to work and so forth uh, or wherever you're going to go and uh, fuel um, yeah. burn more fuel yeah good things for the economy and uh you know the the big thing i look at is i, I was living in an apartment right before this all started and gosh i'm so it, right? happy <laughs> <laughs> i am so happy i moved out because the nice thing about apartments is you get the amenities well all the amenities were closed so you're just trapped in that tiny apartment i i, I know a couple of friends also they actually broke their lease to go move into a new house because they just are like i you know, can't, can't handle this yeah. so i i do worry a little bit about you know like uh, we're talking about real estate i do worry about some like apartment reits maybe some reits that might own condos i, I think that it's that that market is going to get hurt harder than I think the uh, the single family homes, and I I would be very cautious of it because I, I think people might be scared of a second wave. Or, I'm getting out of this type yeah. of living, so I I do worry about that that type of real estate. Yeah, and actually, also what happened too is the median price of homes uh, actually went up seven point four percent to two hundred eighty six thousand eight hundred. But that could be a false thing because of uh, the inventory problems. Yeah, and, and that was a record high, which yeah. is pretty amazing. Um, and I, I just don't see how that persists. The reason that, that I see as, as an artificial number is because the supply of homes was the lowest ever in the month of April. So you might have seen, wow, 
you know, your home's worth this because there's not that much supply in it, but good luck selling it. People are still can't mm-hmm. afford it. And I just don't see how home prices are going to continue to accelerate, especially as supply comes back on the market. I mean, just looking at the numbers, the supply of existing homes in April fell 19.7%. In the entire country, the supply of homes was 1.47 million homes. That's not that many on the market. Yeah, and that one, there's a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Millions of people looking to buy a home. I mean, what, 330 million people in the U.S., but not all of them are families, so it's the families, what you're looking at. Um, the other thing, too, about home buying is that it does create many jobs. You, you don't think about that, but you've got the mortgage person involved, the title person involved. you got the city doing you know, the permits and, and the, all the other stuff going on. The county's getting involved. Also, when you buy a home, what happens is that you say, well, you're going to get new draperies, maybe, you know, new appliances, flooring, decorating in the house. So there's a lot of things that generates. And what I did like to see, and I don't have the number in front of me, I I, I couldn't find it. I, I, I know it's in the other office where it is, but <laughs> but uh, the building permits were up to over one million building permits. So that means that the people do want homes. Again, there was a shortage of homes in certain places, not in California. We don't get too off track here, but in California, I don't see prices going up dramatically, if at all, because a lot of people leave in California. You get back to basic supply and demand. That could be a problem for California home prices. Yeah, I don't want to confuse people, of course, because uh, you know we're, we're talking that demand is very good, and also you talk about the building permits. You mm-hmm. talk about mortgage applications, which, I mean, this was just phenomenal. It's increased each and every week, I think, for the last six weeks. And purchase volume for the mortgage application was down just 1.5% compared to last year. Right. So we're, we're seeing the demand is still there. And you might be saying, well, if the demand's so strong, why wouldn't home prices continue to increase? Again, very important to understand supply and demand. That is actually what produces the price of homes right. and, of course, all the other goods. I just think that the supply coming back onto the market, especially with the elevated price of the home, as people get more comfortable, say, okay, I'll put it back on the market. And as that comes back on the market, I think that'll catch back up with demand, and you'll see more of an equilibrium in those prices. And also, Drew Chase, we've got to point out that we talk about national numbers because when we invest, we're investing in, in national businesses. So when we talk about the real estate market being great and this and so forth, um, it doesn't mean in San Diego. It doesn't mean different pockets. Like when you say the, all the stock market's good, there's going to be bad stocks in there. Same thing with the real estate market. We're talking national numbers, uh, and I do, since we're here in San Diego, I think bring out San Diego, what I see, uh, because supply-demand issues only. Yeah, so. and you, kind of on that topic, you always got to be so careful. I mean, I, I know a, a guy that actually does kind of flip homes, which I, I think can be quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. But he spends so much time looking at the research and finding the homes. Don't just go out and buy a home and, oh, I'm going to buy right. real estate. you got to be very, very careful doing this and actually look at the numbers. Just just don't go out and buy property because I, I think it could be very, very dangerous. You have to know what you're doing. Yeah, and that's a good point. There, there will be houses that go on sale that people need to get out of. Those could be a good buys. But just straight across the board, uh, you can't just buy any house at any price. That, that could be a problem. Uh, some positive news for the airlines and restaurant industry. Again, uh, I had a dinner at a restaurant last night. So did you. But uh, from leading companies uh, in beat-up industries, I mean, these are two that, like, oh, my gosh, are terrible. But Southwest released uh, information that said they are showing a modest improvement in demand and bookings for June 2020. Uh, United Airlines also reported that it said it's showing a moderate improvement in demand for trips within the U.S. Now, I'm kind of surprised in the international destinations, uh, they said that as well. But I, I, and I talked to somebody who it was, if you went somewhere, uh, you get a one-week vacation, you go to certain places, you're quarantined for two weeks. Well, it takes you 
You have to have two weeks, I guess, go. I, I guess, I mean, a lot of people are working from home anyway, so it's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. quarantine for two. I've been quarantined for three months. You know? right. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that those might be the people booking the international dis- destinations. And, and United did say that's through the rest of the second quarter. So, what is that? Uh, March so yeah through june as june well 30th, yeah. Yeah. yeah so i mean that that is uh still the same time frame and also another travel industry i was just thinking about i mean i've heard from two cruise lines now mm-hmm. they're saying 2021 bookings they're within historical averages i mean people are not scared to go out and travel which i think is a a, a good sign to the economy yeah, yeah and it, i mean yeah just kind of talking as well about the restaurants uh, we, we did get some news from uh, darden restaurants which owns olive garden uh it indicated as of sunday that nearly half of its dining rooms were open with limited capacity also they did expect that number to climb to more than 65 percent by the end of may and 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 uh you know it's kind of funny we did kind of look at that and uh i was shocked because i think darden had a low at 25 and i think when we said well let's take a look at it i think we said it was like 70 yeah 75 yeah, yeah so kind of kind of missed that one i mean it, there is i think more positive going forward but but gosh uh not maybe maybe not time to invest in restaurants yet we're still looking so. yeah and i i think it's going to be interesting i think they it's going to be hard to operate at 50 percent capacity um but i know that some cities and some states they've actually taken on kind of a, a different perspective they've opened up streets and they've opened up parking lots so restaurants can kind of expand and still maintain social distancing so that way they can still produce uh, a more elevated level because we know the restaurant industry is not a high margin business right and, and let's give this uh, restaurant or whatever it's called a, a, a plug down in pacific Beach. you're talking about uh, what, what was the name of it oh el prez el prez where they got shut down because there was like what 300 people in line out the door i mean they, they just couldn't handle the capacity of people who wanted to come into it yeah i mean so. it, it was crazy and i know we talked about the restaurants we went to last night uh you know i went to og's in carmel mountain and you know i it was so funny because people oh I'm, you know i'm scared to go to restaurants but you go to the grocery store right and i'm not really that scared of the virus again i'm, I'm pretty i'm not scared of it at yeah all, yeah <laughs> you, you know i i if i get it i think i'll be fine but uh you know regardless of that I felt way safer in the restaurant than I did in the grocery store because, I mean, you have your own booth and, you mm-hmm. know, I, my friend's family owns the restaurant and he was telling me all the protocols that they're doing. I mean, they have the social distancing. They, they sanitize everything regularly. They sanitize the menu after every time somebody comes into it. I mean, that to me is far safer than going to the grocery, <laughs> the grocery store, store. I, which uh, I just think is kind of funny. But, you know, I, I think what will happen is with the restaurants – you kind of talk about in business you have what's known as early adopters, like with technology, where the, the first time the iPhone came out, people are like, what is this thing? But the first people that get it, they're like, wow, this is awesome. And then that slowly trickles down throughout the con- economy, and now everyone has smartphones. Yeah, I think it's going to be the same thing with traveling and restaurants. You're going to see those early adopters come in and, and say, oh, wow, everything's okay, and more people will kind of fall into that herd as well. Yes, it, thing, things are changing. Again, I do want to bring up uh, with that is uh, Georgia uh, as a follow-up from a recent post on Georgia's reopening. We should take some, a little bit of flack on that. But, oh, I don't want to go into crap that people said about it. But anyway, since May 1st, hospitalizations have fallen approximately 34% to just three, I'm sorry, 986 in the entire state. And that's a data as of May 19th, so we don't have current data because it's we, we just can't keep up with it. Uh, but they've been open for quite a while. And also, too, that includes salons, gyms, barbershops, tattoo parlors, bowling alleys. Everything's open there. <laughs> Not like here. Yeah, I mean, that they, they started reopening those items April 24th. So people keep saying, just wait two weeks. Just wait two weeks. We're 
about a month now. It's May 23rd, yep. so we're at about a month, and things do look quite positive. Um, and, you know, the the Fed chair in Atlanta's last name is Bostic, he came out and said, you know, we've had a mixed bag so far. And it's kind of like I said with the early adopters. As long as I think we see that people are going out, those people that are still scared, they'll see that over time, and they'll come back in. We just need people to make sure they're going out, right? And that it's not a ghost town there. That that's how I think we're going to get through this. And, and the other thing too that kind of irritates me a little bit, which is why I like to see the uh, hospitalizations because they say, "Oh, cases are up, you know, thirty percent," but then the testing's up sixty percent. So you're testing more, you're going to find more cases. So it is, I think, an important part is the mortality and the hospitalizations, how it's really, you know, affecting that. And that, that's why, again, kind of circling back to investing, of course, you might say, why are you guys talking about this? Well, looking at the investing side is I believe that so far with the Georgia proof and then, you know, here in San Diego, we're a large city to start reopening. I think as you start to see more successful reopenings, um, you know, I, I want to be careful of the stock market right. here because that's very expensive. But I think there are going to be the beaten down sectors like travel, um, you know, some of the banks even. I think those will start to recover as people start saying, oh, things are OK. You know, it's kind of funny when people say, well, why are you talking about the coronavirus? It is one of the major problems that businesses are having right now. And again, what we do, we buy businesses. So we got to talk about it because we're watching it very closely because we want our businesses to open back up. We want to retailer we own you know a cruise company i mean we have many things are affected by this coronavirus so we do stay on top of it we want to share that with our investors and our listeners so that you know what we're thinking uh going forward uh and I, but by the way i do see uh milt and bonita and james in san diego hang with us there you guys called in early but but you'll be first up uh let, let's go back one more thing i want to talk about because this, this was just amazing to me we, we did a post and Facebook about 5G investments. And you can actually read the post if you don't follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, uh, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Uh, we did a post on 5G, and, and I'll kind of give you a little bit of what we talked about. And I, I just kind of started off saying it, it seems to be that you turn any type of financial news on, and you can't help but hearing someone talk about 5G. Uh, in the fall, we hear that Apple's expected to have at least one model with 5G available. Uh, the immediate place that investors turn to try to take advantage of 5G is carriers such as Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. Well, what was amazing, and Chase will talk more about this, was that Facebook flagged it as um, not spam. but It what wasn't was, spam, but there was false, false information. False information. And it was an opinion-based um post basically on 5g and they said it was because the 5g had some false facts about coronavirus we didn't even mention <laughs> yeah, coronavirus in the post i mean it, it was just ludicrous and I, I thought maybe we could talk about the post just a little bit more briefly oh yeah definitely, definitely and then yeah. shift back to the facebook side of things but you know kind of what we wanted to talk about with 5g is oftentimes people go after you know oh i'm gonna buy apple because they're gonna release the 5g phone or oh i'm gonna buy at&t or you know verizon the the kind of headline companies on 5g I think that's a big mistake. I think a lot of those companies are expensive, and especially the network carriers, they have a lot of debt. Mm -hmm. And you also brought up a great point about it might take some more time for the adoption of the 5G. 5G. The, uh, the place that we think could be a, a great place to look is actually the suppliers of yes. the technology companies uh, for this 5G technology. Yeah, because there's ones out there they got, they got to build the, we'll call the infrastructure of it. You've got a lot of things to do. Kind of like the gold rush. Uh, the people making the money are selling the picks and shovels. That's what we're kind of looking at. Like, Well, let's get the ones that are going to actually build this infrastructure for the 5G to make 5G work seamlessly, so to speak. Um, that's what I think it is because the, the companies like Verizon, AT&T, and actually they, they looked a little bit better, 
but they're still pretty heavy in debt and a lot of competition. You know, T-Mobile. We actually hear about foreign, like uh, Huawei. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. That that could be off the table. What's going yeah. on with, <laughs> it, with the federal government? But uh, I, I just like to buy ones that are, are kind of good businesses that will make money, and you're not paying the high price for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the thing, too, is just be very careful chasing those names. as Oh, it's 5G related. And everybody knows it's 5G related. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think you could find some companies like uh, suppliers of like chips that might have base stations for 5G that, that aren't as well known in the 5G game that they can still capitalize on that, you know, for the years to come. I mean, that's where I think, again, you can make more money on 5G than by buying Apple because Apple is very, very expensive at this time. Yeah. And, and back to the Facebook fact checker uh, thing, it makes you kind of question, oh, it's, uh, the fact checker. You read what we wrote and you'll say, I don't trust the fact checker. I don't think they're – somebody needs to check the fact checker is what they need to do. And the biggest <laughs> issue I had with it is you can't dispute the fact checker. That's right. You just have to accept that your post is – uh, I guess fake news. <laughs> fake news, yeah. That could, I think that's kind of what it said. It said it could be fake news. And it's like, well, if anybody were to read that, they'd say, well, what were they talking about? And again, with investing, investing is a lot of speculation because you're talking about things going forward, not, you know, so it was crazy. It's not even with investing, but you have people that post their opinions all the time. Oh, this is my favorite restaurant. Well, that's an opinion. That's fake news. Fake news. You know? That's right. That's right. So, so kind of really makes you question the fact checkers as far as what they're doing. And, and I know. do know Facebook's coming out with new policies. And I that is one thing that does concern me about Facebook is they do have some issues with privacy. They have some issues with, uh, you know, their advertising platform mm -hmm. and, and actually having people trust it and verifying the amount of users on there. And people invest in Facebook for, for those reasons of growth. But, I mean, if things like this keep happening where they have this gross oversight, it's like, what are we in China where they're going to shut down different, you know, yeah. communist posts saying, oh, this is this is not acceptable. That's communism. Yeah. You know, I do worry that if they go overstep, you're going to lose users and you're going to lose people that, that want to advertise on that platform. So I think they have to walk that fine line or they could have some serious problems with growth because on the other side, if they don't appease the federal government, <laughs> then also they're going to have problems with regulations and growth. So uh, Facebook is one that I, I think is an interesting platform, but it's just too expensive. I don't think the risk reward ratio is there with that company. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. And, and we have about 7,000 followers on Facebook, about 25,000 on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I like Facebook. Pretty easy to work with and so forth. I think we do get uh, pushed further down the road sometimes where they don't, especially now I think that one got pushed way to the bond so people couldn't see it. Uh, don't, don't like that. But I, I, the concept is good, but I, I don't like being told what we can and cannot say when, you know, free speech, free, yeah. freedom of press. Yeah. So anyways, uh, we're going to open the phone lines, uh, 833-288-0973. Again, we do see Don also added from Coronado. Uh, we got Milt and James there. Uh, before we go to you, I, I, I do want to talk about the webinar coming up because I have another one. We had the one that we just had, what, last week or two. Uh, we have another one set up for you, which is going to be June 30th. And, again, if you listen to the show, you see us on TV or whatever, what is the strategy that these guys are, are using? Well, we, wait, wait, sorry to interrupt. June 30th. No, June 11th, right? What is it? Did I say June 30th? You said June 30th. That's so right in front like, of me, June 11th. <laughs> okay, well, no, no, where did the 30th come from? I'm sorry. <laughs> June 11th is, is the uh, webinar. Uh, you're going to learn about our strategies, uh, how to invest in the stock market, 
and which companies to invest in. That's very important because we talk about pulling out the right companies, not buying all the crap companies with the good companies. And also, too, how to grow your wealth and pre prepare for retirement. Now, it is going to be uh, – uh, webinar is, again, going to be on uh, Thursday, June 11th, uh, available all day. For more information, uh, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's Smart Investment 2000. Gosh, smartinvesting2000.com. What's going on here? I haven't breakfast yet. I, I think uh, my blood sugar is low here. So, <laughs> Alrighty, And I do have to mention it. And Chase, do not let me forget his, this here because for two weeks now, I got a request from uh, Jim uh, in San Diego about General Motors. We do want to cover that because I, I told him I would on the email. And if you don't want to call into the show because you're, you don't want to be on air, you can go to our website, smartinvesting 2000 Dot com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Just send us an email, and we'll answer your question on air. But uh, with that said, let's go out to the calls now. Uh, let's out, go out to or go down to Bonita and speak with Milt. Milt, you're the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Well, good morning, gentlemen. I have a question or some uh, – I'd like to get some information on TSN Tyson Foods. Okay. Do you hold that or look into buying it? I do hold it. I'd like to buy some more, but I'm a little bit nervous because they have had a big coronavirus uh, in one of their plants in Virginia, uh, and that's been on the news lately. I'm sure you guys have seen that, so just want to kind of know where it's going forward. Sure, sure. And percentage-wise, how much does uh, Tyson Foods make up of your portfolio? About 4%. Okay, so you don't want to add too much to it. You don't get over here. But um, let's take a look at the numbers on Tyson Food for you. Symbol, TSN, good start, P.E. ratio, 10.9 versus 22.5. Price to sales, 0.5 versus 1.2, so that's good. Now, price to change of book value, not material, but that's the same as the industry. And we do see price to cash flow, 6.9 versus 17.9. So the valuation rate ratios all look very good. And this is when you like to buy a good business on sale. And I can't tell you when this problem will be fixed with Tyson Foods, but I'm pretty confident they'll fix this problem. And what's going to happen here is the price of meats are going up, price of pork's going up because there's not as much of it. Then they get their business back online. And all of a sudden, oh, we got the, the meat, and the price doesn't fall back to where it was before. So if you're patient with a company like this, I think you can do pretty well. You also do get a 2.8% dividend while you're waiting. They use 31% of their earnings to pay that out. Sales are up 6.9% year over year, well above the industry at 0.9. And these numbers are uh, for March 28th, 2020. Now, earnings did fall by 4% when the industry is up 184%. So you would want to understand, okay, what happened with the earnings? Was it because of the coronavirus? Was it, you know, what's going on there? Understand why the earnings fell to make sure that they will be increasing going forward. Balance sheet looks very good. Current ratio 1.6 versus 1.2. Debt to equity 84 about the same as the industry at 77. Return to equity is 14.1 above the industry at 10. Look at the net profit margin. We have a net profit margin of 4.6 versus 5.3. And receivable turnover, 21 versus 12. And inventory turnover, that would be a problem, but actually it is better than the industry at 9.7. Versus 6.3. Chase, tell us about the earnings going forward with this company. Yeah, well, current price here for Tyson, $59.19. 52-week high, $94.24. So, wow, you're getting a, a great deal just based off the fall there in stock price. 
but in the 52-week low was $42.57. Now, if I look out to September 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on gap basis $6.09. That would give us a target sell price of $98.66. So, I mean, pretty good appreciation there, Milt. The other thing, too, you talked about the outbreaks uh, at their various plants. You know, I, I just don't see that being a long-term problem for them. Yeah. Once they kind of figure out how to actually properly handle this, I mean, it's a, it's a new thing that these businesses have to figure out. I think they actually have an advantage because they've had to stay open to make sure people get the meat. Mm -hmm. So they're, I think, a little bit ahead of other businesses about, okay, how can we alter things to make sure our workers are safe? Right. And one thing I always like about when we buy in our portfolio, I like to buy a company that had a problem with what I call a fixable problem. And I think this is fixable, as you said, Chase, to where the stock has been beaten down. It's a high-quality company with a, 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 a product that's in high demand, obviously. This is when you're going to step in and buy it and be patient. Maybe it takes 6, 12, 18 months, but, but I think it's a great business. Uh, everything looks fine on it. This is time to buy this business, not after they fix the problem because it'll go back up in price and it'll be too late to buy it. Yeah, and I, I just love, you know, it's meat, pork, or yep. not meat. It's all meat. All meat. <laughs> Beef, pork, chicken. They also have, you know, the alternative meats they that do. they're working on. They have, you know, the Jimmy Dean brand. I mean, they have some great uh, products in their pipeline. And I, I just think it's a great company and, you know, a, a good balance sheet there. Yep. I, I think it's a good one there, Milt. Uh, but Brent, as Brent said, be cautious adding too much of it to your yes. portfolio. So Yeah, so Milt, in case you can't tell, we do kind of like it. Yeah, just want to make sure you're clear on that. You get you get the psychological effect coming in, and that affects the price greatly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you, you could see perhaps, you know, oh, you know, especially that they've been in the news already. You could see more right. people, oh, they're having more cases. and But, again, I don't think that's going to hurt them in the long term because they do have that good balance sheet. I, I think they'll get through it. It could be volatile, especially if they do have another outbreak. But long term, I, I think it, it'll be good. Yep, and could go down before it goes up, but I think it's a great, great business. All righty. Okay. Well, I appreciate you guys very much. Thanks a lot for your help. All right, Mel. Thanks for being there. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. What is wrong with me this morning? I only came out <laughs> wow, I, I really like after I did it like wait, I missed something there. We'll give it out one more time. Yeah, one just more time. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, 833-288-0973 is that number. Don't forget the two eight eight. All right, quite, you know it's Memorial Day weekend. Maybe uh, I'm a little bit lax today. I don't know. Yeah. So um all right. <laughs> Let, let's go out to, to San Diego and speak with James. James, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? You guys are having too much fun. <laughs> we kind of are this morning, aren't we? <laughs> uh, looking at Home Depot, HD looks like a very attractive uh, dividend. Uh, six, it's noted in the paper. Let's get some information on that, if I could, please. Sure. And do you hold that or looking to buy that? Looking to buy. Okay. I'll take a look at the Home Depot Incorporated, symbol HD. Uh, starts at a P.E. ratio of 24 versus 23, so kind of a high start there. We do see price to cash flow. 2.3 versus 1.9. Now, the reported earnings on May 3rd, I see no price to tangible book value and no price to regular book value. So I'm considering perhaps, I'll see if I go down further, that they have not released the balance sheet yet. Could be the situation. I do see price of cash flow, though, is 19.5, same as the industry. Now, you get a 2.5% dividend. They use 41% of the earnings to pay that dividend out. Now, sales year over year, and this is as of May, uh, are up 2.3%, uh, the industry up 1.8. I'm kind of surprised for some reason I thought with all the 
things going on and them being the, one of the few people opening, everybody doing all that they're doing, with, you know, fixing up their homes, I thought that sales growth would be higher, but it is only 2.3%, and that's year over year for the last 12 months. Looking at earnings per share, they were actually up 2.1%, but the industry was up 25 Now you have a current ratio of 1.2. That's about the same as in industry at 1.1. No debt to equity. Uh, and I, again, I'm thinking that perhaps the balance sheet has not been released. So you, if you, before you get into this, you want to understand the balance sheet, what their deck it, that is. Maybe what Chase is looking at, I'll, I'll look at the balance sheet myself. Uh, looking at return on equity, nothing there. Net profit margin, 9.8 versus 8.4. That is positive. Uh, receivable turnover, 46 versus 50. And then inventory turnover, 4.9 versus 4.1. Chase? What about the earnings going forward? Yeah, well, I did want to make a comment on the sales, too. I mean, uh, if you did quarter over quarter, it was 7% growth, which is pretty strong. But I, I just think what happened is you had a lot of demand pushing that quarter because people – Yeah. I, but if you look over that 12-month time frame, I think that will normalize going forward as people I, start to go yeah. out. Where I, I don't think it's going to maintain those elevated levels. As, as I said, I think people are just – they pulled all that forward, right. and it'll level out over time. I just thought it'd be so high because, again, you can't go anyplace else to get your, your gardening equipment and your, your plants. I mean, they have such an advantage this second quarter. I thought it pushed things higher, but maybe well, not. I, I think for comp sales for Lowe's, it was over 10%, but I don't know if that was for the month. Maybe Lowe's got yeah. some market share there. It could be an interesting uh, dynamic. Uh, I, and I don't want to steal your thunder here, but I, I think they actually have negative equity at Home Depot. I think we looked at it recently. I'm, I'm at the current assets right now. So ah. give, you, give your earnings. <laughs> I'll, I'll look at the ad. I'll keep going. Well, talking about the numbers here as well, the current price, $241.88. 52-week high, $248.30. And Two cents and fifty-two week low, hundred and forty dollars and sixty-three cents. Now, if I look forward to January two thousand twenty-two, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis eleven dollars and one cent. That would give us a target sell price of one hundred seventy-eight dollars and thirty-six cents. So, I just it looks expensive here, James. And um, you know, it's one that that's done well in this market. I'd rather look for companies that haven't done well and can actually reverse that going forward. And, and, and again, yeah, it ha has done well. It's like the, the only thing on the, the block, so to speak, and that the stock has gone up because, oh, how great Home Depot is. But, Chase, you are right. The company does have uh, negative equity. Uh, the equity right now is a negative $3.5 billion. That's up from a negative equity of $2.1 billion a year ago, and that is mainly because their debt has increased by $7 billion over the last year. Last year, their debt total debt was $28 billion. We now see total debt at $36 billion. I'm not going to predict that, oh, my gosh, Home Depot is going to go bankrupt tomorrow. But we did see over the weekend that Hertz just filed bankruptcy. Why? They had $17 billion in debt. You cannot keep going on raising your debt, raising your debt, because eventually your creditors say, hey, we want to get paid here. So I, I think Home Depot is a great company. But gosh, your financials, they are not so great. I do have two caveats with the problem of the balance sheet. Number one, I know they have bought back a lot of stock. I don't know if they were issuing debt to buy back stock, which that does actually, of course, hurt your equity. The other thing I did want to point out, because I know Home Depot had a very good balance sheet years ago, is I, I'm curious if they started to increase their rental business. I know now, like, I, I just rented a steam cleaner from them. You can right. rent trucks from them. You can rent other items. And years ago, they didn't have that rental side of the business. I mean, you look at, like, Rent-A-Center, for example, as a company. Their debt to equity looks very, very strange because of the way they carry the financing on the rentals. Mm -hmm. They also might finance some of those larger 
purchases you might do at Home Depot. So I would really want to take a closer look at that debt. And I mean, to be quite frank with you, with the, the earnings per share and the stock price so expensive, it wouldn't be really worth the time right now. Right. But if there was a pullback, I would definitely want to look at a Home Depot or Lowe's to see is that balance sheet being affected by the rental and financing market? And it could present an opportunity. And, and lastly, I'll just point out that their cash, uh, usually when you buy back stock, cash is low. Their cash is high, about $8.7 billion, up from about $2 billion. A year ago so that's a positive there so I, I wouldn't say oh yeah go ahead buy it great i think it is kind of as chase point out kind of pricey um it could pull back it is i think hitting all-time highs so i like the company but i just think it's a uh, too pricey and could be some concerns uh with the balance sheet all right james i sure appreciate it thank you all right thank you colin have a good one bye-bye all righty that does open the phone line 833-288 0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And Chase, before I go back to the calls, I do want to uh, use the email here because, again, as I said, Jim did uh, in San Diego request it twice here. Uh, he says, if you have time during your radio show, could you take a look at GM for me? I bought shares at a cost basis of 27. Your show is part of my Saturday routine. Thanks, Jim from San Diego. So I couldn't let him down since uh, our show is part of a Saturday routine. we we got to look at this. Now, uh, the symbol for General Motors is GM. Uh, let's take a look at what GM looks like. And we do know, well, I'm kind of pulling this up, that uh, they, they are reopened now. The stock went up on the reopening. But then yesterday, I guess, they, they said they had some trouble getting parts for trucks, uh, which could take a couple of weeks. So the supply chain's been a little bit uh, disrupted, so to speak. Uh, but still, I think that's a positive have them uh, open there. Uh, and let's take a look at their numbers. They, they did report for March 31st of 2020. Uh, good start here on GM, a P.E. ratio 8 versus 740 for the industry. Price of sales 0.3 versus 0.7. That is good. They do have a price of tangible book value. Uh, right now you're paying 1.07, well below the industry at 3. And price of cash flow 2.1 versus 6.8. So through all this, they still have some very good valuation ratios. Now, what is having a problem are the growth rates. Obviously, year over year, sales are down 7.4%. Industry is down 4.7. Earnings for General Motors fell 47% year over year, but the industry is down 95. Now, we do see on the balance sheet a current ratio of 1.1, about the same as the industry at 1.2. Debt to equity, 315 versus 263. Now, Chase, you kind of talked about the rentals and Home Depot. That's one thing you have here with, with uh, car companies, General Motors, is they do financing on their cars. So that really throws off the balance sheet. you got to dig deeper into that to actually get the true number. Return to equity is 11.6, well above the industry at 0.4. Net profit margin checks in at 3.6, also well above the industry at 0.09. And then receivable turnover at 3.7 beating the industry at 3.1, and inventory turnover surprise here, 11.1 versus 9.6. Chase, what are the earnings going forward? Now, before I get into the numbers, I, I must say I am shocked they had a, a positive income for the quarter. I, I thought for sure they would lose <laughs> money. So, I mean, uh, even that, I mean, Mary Barra has talked about just how well run the company is now, and I think she's done a fantastic job as the CEO of the business and how they can actually get through these tougher times and still be, you know, cash flow positive and make money. I'm not sure if they're cash flow positive for the quarter, but I know at lower levels that business can sustain itself. So I, I think she's done a fantastic job. It's it's the new GM is what we call it. It's not the old GM, old GM that yeah. had so much debt. But let's take a look at the GM numbers here. The current price, $25.98. 52-week high, $41.90. And then that 52-week low, $14.33. 
We look out to December 2021. I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis of $3.81. That would give us a target sell price of $61.72. So I, I like the valuations on this company, and I, I, I do want to point out I'm always a little bit hesitant on the valuation multiple for the right. automakers just because their earnings are a little bit more sporadic versus, you know, like a, a technology company that does have more consistent earnings. So I would be a little bit hesitant to use the 6172. But again, the valuations still look very, very strong. And, and also, too, there, there could be a shift, too, and uh, as far as cars go, because people don't want to take public transportation. They, I, I think when they have their own cars, and we've kind of talked about this before, so I think that's a benefit for car manufacturers now is that I think people want to have their own car. And I, and I think that GM so far said the demand is very high. Yeah, and the other thing I was reading the other day, and I, I don't have the exact numbers of percentage increase and so forth, but a lot of dealerships are talking about how they're actually shifting a lot of their sales online and delivering the cars, kind of like a, a Carvana-type service. So it yep. seems like people are feeling more comfortable with that type of model. So having that as an option could be beneficial for yeah. GM as well. Yeah, so, so we like GM. We like the numbers on it. Uh, I think it's good. Uh, we talk about the car buying. That does not include Tesla. We won't talk about Tesla right now. We do not <laughs> like Tesla. All right. Uh, before we go back to the phones here, I do, I do want to mention about the uh, webinar coming up. Uh, it is going to be Thursday, June 11th, and that's where we're going to learn all the things we do. We, we also point out things that uh, you may want to avoid, mistakes that people have made investing in the past so you get on the right track investing. Uh, we will show you how to invest in businesses. We go through all the numbers we're going through here. We explain what they are for you. We really help you understand when we're investing our hundreds of millions of dollars in our portfolio, what we're actually doing for our clients and actually for our own mon money because our, our money is invested right alongside our clients' money. And also, too, how to grow your wealth and prepare for retirement. It is free, but what you have to do is sign up for the webinar Thursday, June 11th. That's going to be available all day. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting 2000 Dot com. All right, let's go back to the calls here. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Lori. Lori, you're in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I was inquiring about um, getting into oil, um, Chevron or Conoco or something like that. I was wondering what thoughts you might have, which company might be best. Um, I, I, I know that uh, uh, we can't tell you which one's best because you know, it, it takes time to really go through the numbers on oh. that. I know, I know we have with it Chevron. We kind of like Chevron, but Chevron got just too pricey. Uh, you know, we have probably, do you want to look at Conoco, Chase? Do you know what the symbol is? I do not know the symbol for yeah, Conoco. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, too, I mean, just kind of generally speaking, I, I know Chevron's kind of the best in class in terms of where their break even point is for oil. Um, but I, I just kind of pulled it up. I mean, their 52 week low is $51. Now it's at $90 a share. Um, so it has come back quite substantially. And, you know, sometimes you miss the boat investing, and it looks like Chevron just has come up. And I, I know a lot of the refineries talk about a direct play on gasoline because right. they're actually the ones doing the refining i mean those have shot up substantially as well off the bottom so i i, I think right now a lot of the energy companies are kind of riding this wave and you know i've 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 noticed that it's been hard to find something in the energy sector now that is actually showing good valuations yeah because we actually like the refiners uh gosh probably a month or so ago and, and they're up 100 percent from that time frame Lori. so you want to maybe be patient here uh you know a lot of people are like oh you know energy is a place to be it was a place to be a month or so ago and there's probably still more growth on it but but i can't think of anything great for you investing in the energy now actually our refiner that we had in our portfolio it could almost become a sell 
with, with much more of an increase. So, so I, I kind of would, I mean, as you can kind of tell, I'm trying to steer you away from the energy at this point in time, but it doesn't mean don't watch it. I, I, do you listen to the show on a regular basis? You know, I just found out about you right now, so I'm happy to um, find you. And I was just wondering, do you have investing tips? I'm sure you must on your website. We actually we, we have a lot of information on our website. We have the webinar coming up on Thursday, uh, June 11th. But on our website, a lot of great information there for you. It's smartinvesting2000.com. And are we still there? Yeah, I think I think, I think, I think we, we lost her. But I think yeah. we lost her. Yeah, because I, I saw on the screen all of a sudden her, her name disappeared. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, Lori, I'm sure you're still listening. But yeah, go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. A lot of great information there that, that is on the website. Uh, Thursday, June 11th is the uh, webinar that is free for you. Um, and also, too, tune in every Saturday, uh, you know, the Smart Investing Show. And also, Lori, you can also follow us on social media. That's a big one where we there do we daily go. posts there, uh, a lot of financial tips. And, again, you can follow us. The, the best place is actually probably on Facebook, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Uh, if you're on Instagram, we're, we're on there as well, just under our names, Brent We'll see Chase Wilsey. We're on Twitter or on LinkedIn, so we can we can be found on any social media platform. Right. Uh, a lot of good information that we post there. And, and also, too, I do regular segments on KUSI. Uh, usually every other Sunday. Actually, I'm on tomorrow. Chase does regular segments on Fox Five. Uh, usually on a Wednesday, I think. Every right? other Wednesday. Every yep. other Wednesday. Yeah. So we always give out uh, tips on that. It's just we try to be every place to give you great information. So, alrighty. Phone number is eight three three two eight eight. 0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're the Smart Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah, hi, guys. Tell you what, um, this week I was looking at corning. Okay. The stock's, uh, the stock's been beaten down a little bit. Okay. And what you're saying, corning, that you thought might be a good, uh, a good idea here? Well, you know, it, it, the stock's down probably about... 40 percent uh, from where it was at its highs. Um, you know, they do make the glass for cell phones, um, and I'm just thinking uh, maybe adding to my position on it. Okay, uh, John, do you by chance follow us on social media? Sure. Okay, because actually, I think what was it we did? Didn't we do a post on that? Cha- no, we didn't do the post on that. No, we didn't. We were going to do a post on. Oh, yeah. that was for our, our investment symposium for yeah. our clients. Okay, <laughs> I, I knew we talked about. It. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll share that with the audience as well here too. But uh, let's go with the numbers on Corning GLW. Uh, crazy start here. PE ratio sixty two. Well above the industry at twenty eight. Uh, price to sales one point five versus three point nine. That is good. Price to book value one point eight versus not material for the industry. And price of cash flow, very good, 9 versus 20. Now, you do get a nice dividend of 4.1% from a Corning, but it does show they pay, uh, their dividend payout ratio is 237. you got to understand why that number is so crazy. Looking at the sales year over year, they are down 4.5%. Industry up 3.6. And earnings per share for Corning uh, fell by 85%. Industry up 10.7. Taking a look at the balance sheet, you got a current ratio 2.2 versus 1. And then uh, total debt to equity is 64 versus 108, so I like seeing that. Return to equity is 2.5 versus 45. Net profit margin checks in at 3.3, well below the industry at 13.9. And receivable turnover is 6 versus 10.6. And inventory turnover 
versus six. So the numbers here don't look that good. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here is $21.38 for corning. 52-week high at $34.26, and 52-week low is $17.44. Now if we look out to December 2021, I see Gap estimated earnings of $1.57 per share, of course. That would give us a target sell price of $25.43. So still some room for growth. And, and this business is quite interesting. I know they have a lot of currency hedging because what they actually do is they have a lot of, I'll call it localization, where they actually manufacture in a certain area and then they sell in that particular area so what they do is they buy a lot of different currency swaps which hurts their uh, not their cash flow it hurts their earnings but it helps their cash flow so that is one thing that's going to make those earnings look a little bit more volatile but you just got to understand that yeah and, and i've had this company in the past made a very good profit off of it years ago i like the business we do talk about this uh company as something that has to do with the 5g we mentioned that earlier they do have some things that they're going to be using for their glass and the fiber optics and everything else so they are going to be part of that they're one of the shovels i guess i guess yeah. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Um, also, too, it's amazing that the, the glass products that they have, uh, different things we looked at. I mean, they have Gorilla Glass, which is very strong. You can't break it with a hammer. they got bendable glass. I don't remember the, the new glass they came out with. Was it Vital I, I, or something? I, I'm blanking on the, the name of the glass, but, yeah, it's, it's used in, you know, the uh, the vials for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, different drug manufacturing and so forth. And, you know, it's supposed to be very, very efficient in protecting against different viruses. Yeah, because yeah, they said that even the superbugs cannot hold on to that glass. So you can touch that glass if somebody else had it and they touched it, the, the superbug won't be there. You, you know, so that they're just such a creative. I, I, I don't know how much they put in research and development, but it's just, they're constantly creating great things. So I mean, you think glass would be simple, but they have lots of variations of glass, which is quite fascinating. You know, it's almost like we, we could this now again. We'll we'll beat on Peloton here as a tech company. This is really a tech company because they do a lot of technology things that are really unique and different with glass and they've been around for I think over 100 years so uh, and also to chase to mention you got to be careful with the currency because that can uh, destroy the numbers you got to understand the deeply on the numbers how to actually come up with a target sell price going forward but you know we, we like this company yeah and I, I think uh, I just saw a note here on our, our page for our callers is actually it's called Valor glasses the name of the glass there oh there we go Valor glass well thank Maybe Dave got that for us. Yeah, Dave or Rochelle, I'm not sure. But Somebody got that for us. Either way, thank you. <laughs> oh, Rochelle just waved. It yeah. was Rochelle. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, John, yeah, we, we like the company. You're probably not going to see, like, you know, 100% growth on it. But I think it's a good business, good long-term hold. Uh, I think it'll be careful what you pay for it now. It has come back a little bit. But, but be patient buying it. I think you'll invest in a good company if you're patient. All righty? All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for calling, John. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All righty, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Ed. Ed, you're in the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning. Your sun covers for you pretty good today. Normally, you do not need any covering. <laughs> you are outstanding. You are outstanding. Thank you. All right, so my question is DEA, Eastern Governed Properties, I know it has a high PE, but I think 30 or 32 of their properties are government uh, built and sold, and their their income, I believe, is uh, stable. Governments always pay uh, on time. So that's a little background on the company. Can you tell me what you think of DEA? Sure, sure. We'll take a look at uh, DEA, 
Easterly Government Properties Incorporated. I think what I'm going to be looking at this probably, I think Chase is over there looking at more about the company, what it is. Uh, I presume it's a real estate investment trust. Uh, you, correct, Chase? Yes. Yes, yeah. So, all right, so those are the numbers here. Uh, we do see that they did, did report numbers for March 31st. P.E. ratio very high, 191 versus 100. Uh, price to sales very expensive, 8.1 versus 1. Uh, price to book value, 2.1 versus 0.78 for the industry. And price to cash flow, 18 versus not material for the industry. Now, you do get a uh, dividend yield of 4.2%. They use 821% uh, of their earnings to pay that out. And again, we'll talk more about how this is different because it is a REIT. Uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for a few minutes here. Uh, looking beyond the numbers here, sales are up 31% year over year, well by the industry at 125 Earnings per share climbed by 151. Very good. The industry was down 95%. On the balance sheet, no current ratio versus 0.56 for the industry. Debt to equity, 89 versus 268. So that's positive. Return on equity is only 0.9, but the industry is at 0.7. Net profit margin, that checks in at 4.6 versus 1 for the industry. And receivable turnover is 16.2. Versus 7.9. Chase, what you got? Yeah, so kind of first a little background on the company. As we did mention, it's a, a real estate investment trust. Uh, they, as you said, do uh, rent lease properties to United States government agencies. Kind of looking here, as of September 17, 2018, they had 64 operating properties. That does concern me a little bit. Uh, it's just not that many properties. If the, the government dis- did decide to go elsewhere, that could hurt their revenue quite substantially. And they also only had three properties under development in September 17, 2018. So they're, they're not really expanding too much. I just don't see how this company is going to grow. And also you pair that with the fact they're leasing the government that could be a little bit more stable than, let's say, an apartment building, of course. But also you can't rip off the U.S. government. How are you going <laughs> to you know charge them X amount? I right. think you could see more stability, but the issue could be growth on earnings and Funds from operations, and and did you say that this they that the there are government buildings that they're they're. It said they do have some private tenants, but it said a large majority, basically, it seems like, is the U.S. government agencies. Yeah, so so it seems like there'd be a lot more research to do on this because I, I I think again because we have a REIT in our portfolio that's a uh, not a commercial property REIT, and, and and this is one that may concern me if I didn't understand what was going on. It's great that the the government is your your tenant because you know they'll pay. But if you don't have it, it sounds like you also don't have a big diversification of many buildings either. It's, well, yeah, 63, I think it was. Yeah. Maybe 66 if those three have finished development. Okay. But uh, kind of finalizing the numbers here, I mean, the current price is $24.75. 52-week high, $29.70. And 52-week low is $17.72. Now look out to December 2021. We're going to look at FFO. That stands for Funds from Operations. The reason we look at that instead of earnings for a REIT is because these real estate companies have immense depreciation expense. But depreciation is a non-cash expense, so you could have really poor earnings but have great cash flow on that front. So we like to look at FFO for Real Estate Investment Trust. That comes to $1.25. That would give us a target sell price, unfortunately, at just $20.25. I think it's an interesting concept. I would want to understand more about it if I held it, but the numbers just aren't there on the valuation side either. Right. And and also to point out why we use FFO is because the uh, gap earnings – 11 cents so that's what you talk about the depreciation so but even using the ffo uh here ed it, it just doesn't make sense uh again i like the concept your the government is your client so to speak to doing the renting but there just doesn't seem to be enough here to say yes this is a good reap for investing into already all right thank you all right ed, thanks for calling have a good one 
Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go to John in San Marcos. John, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thanks for I have a there. question about commercial standalone properties and how they qualify under the CARES Act, in particular with the QIP or the, you know, the Qualified Investment Program for the accelerated depreciation. Do I need to take out a loan on a property that's free and clear in order to qualify under the QIP? You know, John, you, you got some great questions there, and, and actually Chase and I, we're, we're, we're money managers. We don't do a lot with commercial property. Now, in our firm, Wilsey Asset Management, we actually do have a CFP, a financial planner, that when, for our clients, when they come in, he does cover that commercial real estate property, and he does cover a lot of different things like that. Uh, so I, I don't want to you know, guess at the answer for you here. Because unless you have anything to, to add, Chase. No, I mean, the CARES Act is, is pretty new, obviously. It just yeah. happened this year. I mean, uh, and as Brent said, we are money managers, so we do rely on our accountants and CFP to kind of answer these questions. And I just don't want to give you bad information here, John. Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time reading uh, financial statements and 10Qs, 10Ks. Uh, our, our CFP and our accountant, they actually read them more in the CARES Act and Social Security Act and all these other things they, they look at. So I, 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 I don't think it's ever happened before. I can't give you any good information here, John. I've been doing the Smart Investing Show for 27 years. I don't think I've ever had to let somebody go that called in. I can't give you something good. i, I got to apologize. Is that okay, John? <laughs> well, I'd rather have that than bad information. Yeah. Well, let's see, there you go. You know what? Uh, give, our, give our office a call. What, what I will do, because I've never had this happen before, uh, call our office at 858-546-4306, and, and I'll have you speak to our financial planner, uh, Harrison Johnson, um, and I, I'll tell him that you're calling in because normally, you know, we don't do that. But because I'm, I'm, I can't just let you go not giving you something calling the Smart <laughs> Investing Show, and, and he will talk to you and he'll give the information. Is, is that fair, John? That's fair. All right. Well, thank you for calling. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye bye. Gosh, I've never been stumped on the radio <laughs> show before. <laughs> I know. I was looking. I saw CARES Act. I'm like, oh, I, I kind of know a little bit about the CARES Act, but I mean, that sounds like it's going to be pretty complex. And you know, as you said, it, it, it's better to kind of not give false information because you go out, act yeah. on, it, and then the, it, I don't want John to come back. And you're like, what you guys do to me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and, and I learned again. I've, I've been in the, the financial field for 40 years. Uh, one thing I learned very early in my career. I was like, if you don't know something, tell somebody that. Find out the information or send them to somebody that does have the information. Because we, and again, we do spend so much time reading Barron's, the Wall Street Journal, uh, CNBC, uh, you know, reading the financial. We spend so much time reading that. We do not spend a lot of time reading things like on the CARES Act. That's what Harrison does. Because he spends, you know, no time on the investment part. He does the financial planning, which has worked out very well. He's been with us for, for actually many years now. Um, and, and, and clients really like that because we do very well on the investment side, but he, his only job is not to sell people insurance or to sell people, you know, mutual funds or anything else. His job is to build that financial plan and know stuff about the commercial property, know stuff about the CARES Act. And, and actually for our clients, he just did a great presentation, uh, and our investment symposium about the CARES Act, different things there. So, uh, it, and I'll just give him a plug here. Um, if you really want a true financial planner, that does not sell product that actually sits down with you and discusses your financial plan. He is a fee-based planner. You pay a fee for the plan. 
um, you know, give them a call again, uh, Harrison, or, or give us a call. We'll we'll, we'll hook you Get up a little you bit. In touch, yeah. yeah, but but I mean, it's very rare in the industry that anybody is like that. Most of the time, you go to a financial planner, and uh, they're going to do a financial plan for you, and then do the investments for you. And, and I just think that it's very bias because of the fact they do get paid more when they say oh you know what you kind of need this life insurance and oh maybe you should do this annuity as opposed to us when we manage money we're looking at what's best for you because we're a fee-based planner as well on the financial side on the investment side uh where we get paid a fee for managing your money so we're on the same side of the table you make more money we make more money you make less money we make less money so, exactly yep and this is why you want to go to the webinar because we'll show you everything we do that to when we manage money for our clients uh, it is going to be uh, Thursday, June 11th. It is free. What you need to do is go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And we'll show you things that you should be doing, things you shouldn't be doing. Uh, it's a great conversation and presentation that uh, both Chase and I give on how to be investing and things to look at. We, we actually show you many different things there that you can really learn from and take with you and use time and time again. But what you need to do is sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, sign up there, and uh, we'll look forward to it. You know, I'm so used to doing the workshop. We'll look forward to seeing you there. Well, I'm yeah. not going to see you on the webinar. That's what <laughs> – I always put "nice to see you" in quotation marks. Right, right, know? right, right. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, a long weekend. Uh, nothing open on. You know, and one thing I do want to get real quick because we had so many good things this time, um, and I, I, I'm glad I got a, a minute or two to, to put this in. Is I want to talk about the M1, M2 U.S. money supply because people are still scared, and I want to talk about that because when we look at people that are unemployed, they're not collecting the extra six hundred dollars per week. A lot of people say, "Oh, things are terrible." Well, the M1, M2 money supply came out. It's $22.2 trillion. That's an increase of nearly $2 trillion from March when it was $20.4 trillion. This is so important for people to understand because that's a lot of liquid money that can be used in the economy or investing. And that does not include all the, the, all the money in private equity that's sitting in cash. Yeah, and uh, I'm upset I wanted to save that for next week because I thought there was so much good information there. I, I know. Well, we got other ones, too, and national debt, other things we want to talk about, too. Yeah, but uh, just kind of talking about the M1, M2, the, the reason liquidity is so important is because, again, that's the cash and short-term investments. So if you have checking money markets, you know, it's very accessible cash, and it, it just kind of shows a lot of people are ready to maybe get back out and spend. And maybe not on the emotional side for some people, but in terms of the liquidity, there's a lot of money that can come back in the market. And, you know, I was reading a, a great idea post the other day or a commentary piece the other day about how there's all this money still in bonds. Well, right now, and I'm not an advocate of the S&P 500. I think there's a lot of other great investments out there. The yield on that's about 1.8%. While the 10-year note's at 0.6%. I think a lot of the money sitting in this liquid accounts is not going to flow into bonds. I think it's rather going to flow into equities, which could, again, continue the equity market higher, especially paired with better economic news from people taking that M1, M2, that liquid money, and spending it in the economy. I think it's just fantastic news that we saw here. Yeah, and the thing, too, is that there's so many important things when you look at stuff and people say, oh, my gosh, things are terrible. Like on our, our post we did about real estate, people saying, oh, but, you know, there's going to be people who are going to lose their houses and so forth. I don't see that happening. There'll be some, obviously. I mean, not everything's great. But this is not 2008, 2009. This was not a financial recession. This was a self-imposed by the government uh, recession. So, and actually tomorrow on KUSI, I'll, I'll be on probably about 8.40 in the morning. I think it's my hit time. I will be talking about different 
liquid products to use because again one problem that you do have is that and we love investing but investing is for two three four years but where do you put that money and it's going to show up in the m1 m2 is what's going to show up but i will be talking about different liquid options for people on my segment tomorrow at 840 on ko's eye what are you talking about just put everything in the checking account you get paid great there right <laughs> there are some other options that we talked about yeah so that, but, and i'll save them for the segment tomorrow I, yeah. you know, i'll take it away from ksi so but um, uh, i was going to mention as well i mean we, we did have uh, some kind of interesting i talked a little about the cruise lines you had uh, the saudi sovereign wealth fund they have you know billions and billions of dollars they actually have been investing in some you know kind of value based stocks you know, that have, have been beaten up like Carnival and Bank of America. So you do see some other entities investing in the U.S., which is good. Yep. And we'll cover more of that next week because we got uh, the closing <laughs> bell, so the show is over. So thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546. 546-4306 or visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com and for more daily educational information along with investment tips go to our Facebook group page Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters closing song uh, Frank Sinatra My Way is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios have a great weekend we'll talk more next week this right program here. is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan.